on, church. Let's give the Lord a hand. Let's give the Lord a hand. Amen. 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 Okay, let, let, let's, do, let's do it a little bit better. If you're really grateful that the Lord woke you up this morning, knowing, clearly understanding, there was another option. If you're really grateful, make some noise to the Lord. Come on, there we go. My God, that's right. That's right. That's right. Come on. Been making jokes for a while, you know, about how, you know, people will lose their mind going crazy at a Seahawks game. I mean, just lose your mind and you had to pay for that ticket. Wearing another man's jersey, that's a different conversation. But anyhow, pay for parking, all this stuff, and scream and yell. And, but when we come in the house of the Lord, and he's done everything for us. And it's like, you know, like, it's like we're doing God a favor just to say thank you. Well, the Bible tells us when we come into his courts, we're to come in with praise and we're supposed to come in with thanksgiving. Irregardless of the circumstance you may find yourself in right now, in all things we give thanks. In all things we give thanks. Now, before I go forward, I, I, got, hey, I got to say it to this service. I said it to the last one. It's football season, right? But I got to tell you, times change in a hurry. Because when I used to be sitting over, standing up here, every, about this time every year, I would at least see 30, 40 Seahawks jerseys. <laughs> times has changed. <laughs> now, I'm saying that in kind of a joking way, but not really, because I ain't really a Seahawks fan. <laughs> so it's just funny to me to watch all the regular outfits. Usually right now, I see a whole bunch of jerseys, but... Okay, I get it. I get it. If they start winning again, you might put on the jersey. I, I got it. I got it. I got it. Anyways, no, leave you alone with that. Anyhow, I'm grateful to be with you. We're in this series uh, called, talking about like Jesus, living like Jesus. And so today I want to talk about not only living like Jesus, but like Jesus, we compel others. So I like to say like Jesus, compel others. Now, when I say compel others, you got to understand, we got to break down the word compel. Compel means to draw, to attract, to magnetically pull. So compel others doesn't mean chase them down. Compelling others isn't scaring them to death. Like some of you were compelled to come to church today. But when I was little, it, it went, I wasn't compelled to come to church. My mom's over there. <laughs> there weren't a whole lot of choices in the map. <laughs> I was at church. <laughs> now, I'm having fun with it, but when the scripture talks about the way Christ did it, it was something that compelled. Now, for those of you who now know Jesus, got a relationship with the Lord, who compelled you? Not who told you, but whose life that you observed compelled you to even consider this thing we call Christianity, our relationship with Jesus. What drew you to God? Now, I bring this up because we're talking about compelling others, but before you can think about compelling others, you got to also think about what compelled you. Because all I know is real recognizes real. Only authenticity draws another one. Like, anything fake doesn't work just it never worked on me. 
Now, I'm not saying those who are who in my life before I said yes to Jesus at age 23 weren't real. I didn't say they were fake. I didn't say any of those things. But who was assigned to compel me is who I ran into when I was 23 years old. And I sit back and think, if that person wasn't there, where would I be today? If my friend Don Jones didn't sit in the New York Jets locker room with a Bible open, who does that? Don did. As the ghetto boys and some people don't know what I'm talking about. And every other rapper who's on the uh, stereo systems playing above our ears, where guys are in the locker room talking about last night's exploits and they weren't talking about the game. Yet Don's sitting right there with his Bible open. Don was compelling because it was different. It was strange. Now, keep something in mind. I want you to get this now because this is important. We had Bible studies on the team. We even had Christian speakers who would come talk to the team. But I remember one time we had this one speaker who came in, and he was telling us something. All I remember is one of my teammates who didn't know Jesus, who happened to be in the Bible study, because you got to realize Bible study doing training camp, everybody shows up because they're trying to make the team. <laughs> so even if I don't really believe in God, I can use the help. So, uh. <laughs> But I never forget, after he finished, one of the veterans on the team looked at him, one of the boldest statements I ever heard, said, after listening to you, I don't even know what I need God for. Because everything you're talking about, I already got. Woo! So just coming in talking about how God's going to bless me with stuff ain't working. Coming in how God's going to give me favor ain't working. Why? Because I already got it. I'm trying to figure out what do I need him for? And you didn't help. Woo! i never forget that. Because... How I got compelled was by a brother who lived it, not talked about. I had to actually see it lived in real circumstances to have some kind of impact on me. Because I know how to play the game. I know how people compose. I know how we all talk to part. And, and the reason why this message is so important today, we're talking about compelling others, drawing others, drawing others. It has to be real in us. And we have to answer that question. Is it authentic in you? Not perfect. I said authentic. Not perfect. I said authentic. Not perfect. I just simply said forgiven because you know. Now, the reason this is so important, especially in the days we're living in now, I mean, I never, <laughs> I never imagined, and, and this isn't offending anybody who does this frequently, but I'm just, I'm just Making a point, if you would have told me 10, 15 years ago that taking a picture of myself and sending it to people <laughs> was totally normal 
And it wasn't even considered slightly vain. I could even take a picture of myself at the gym, post it in hashtag humility. <laughs> I never knew the, you know, I'm just saying, this is, I mean, we're living in some interesting times. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up and talking about compelling and compelling others is because you got to understand that the times we're living in are not necessarily consistent with the way the kingdom works. The kingdom works, it's almost like a paradox. Like, and when I talk about paradox, it's like, it's like a, a world of contradiction. It's like opposites. That the Bible tells us, love your enemies. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I mean, when you go through all the different, if you want to be first, you must become last. To actually live this way almost goes into the face of how we function. Even if we're, if we're really honest, even in the church, let's be honest. So, like, that stuff sounds good. <laughs> but actually living that way, behaving that way, thinking that way? I said earlier to service, Man, I, you know, I consider myself, you know, a, a giver, a person who's, you know, thinks of others. Actually, you know, let me bring up that first point. Put up the first point where it says humility compels others and pride repels others. Humility compels others. Pride repels others. And what's so interesting about that is it's, it really is a paradox because we're going to be reading from Luke 14 and Jesus is telling this story, but Jesus is actually talking about humility. And he talks about it. I mean, these are his words. So, you know, let me just read them because his words, you know, I don't have to add to them. If you get mad, you ain't mad at me. <laughs> but Luke chapter 14, verse 11, this is Jesus's words. He starts off saying, for everyone who exalts himself, will be humble. And the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Again, the kingdom dynamic, it's just different. Man, if I humble myself, I'll be exalted. But if I exalt myself, promote myself, brag about myself, put up myself in front of others, I would get humbled. It just feels opposite, right? And then the next one he says, he also said to the one who had invited him, verse 12, when you give a lunch or dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers or sisters or relatives or your rich neighbors, because they might invite you back and you would be repaid. On the contrary, when you host a banquet, have a gathering, invite those who are poor, maimed, lame, or blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Man, Lord, I love bringing people together, doing stuff for folks, all that stuff. But I haven't really pondered, um, how many people have I done things for and not look to be repaid? Then I sat there, I said, oh, man, all the time. I give this, I give that. I'm not looking for them to give this back. I'm not looking forward to them giving this back or that back. And then I realized the word just says repayment. It didn't say how that repayment had to come back. 
And I discovered, oh, man, I really don't do things for free. Y'all got to pray for me for this, but I'm just being transparent. I am allergic to ingratitude. Allergic. I'm talking about I struggle bad. If I'm holding the door, somebody walks through and don't even say thank you, acknowledge it a little bit, I am in that moment praying not to close the door in a hurry or go, oh, uh, you're welcome. Yeah, you, who just walked through clearly with no door that was just happened to be open with a guy standing next to him. Now, again, I'm just being honest. Never forget, <laughs> I said it to the earlier service. My wife knows about that. I remember that a store, this dude needs some food. And, you know, somebody's homeless sitting outside, difficulty. Like the scripture says, you take care of those. Jesus says, as you do unto them, you do also unto me. So I was like, I'm about to have me a Jesus moment. And so I went to the store, came back out with some food, and I'm telling y'all, you know how you're doing something for somebody and you just feel like you're connected with heaven? Like right now, I am as close to being an angel as it gets. I handed this man this food. My man opened up that bag and looked me dead in the face and said, is this it? That happened. And I believe... The greatest cure for ingratitude is, my girls will tell you, loss. Yes. That's the greatest cure. If you're going to be ungrateful, let me teach you the lesson real quickly. What you are ungrateful for, you ain't even going to have that. So as soon as he said, is this it? He didn't have it. He couldn't say that for long because it was back in my hand. I was like, what? <laughs> I told y'all you need to pray for me. I'm just, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> man, I looked at him and I was like, man, what? <laughs> trying to be like, I'm trying to serve, make a difference, trying to show you the love of Jesus. This is all me. <laughs> Just mad, right? Man, Lord, shoot. Brother, what? what? Okay, this is all going on. And in the middle of that, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit will interrupt you at the most odd times. And it's like, you are really mad talking about serving like Jesus. <laughs> and I realized my repayment, oh, I love helping people as long as they acknowledge it. I love making a difference in people's lives as long as that repayment is recognizing what I did. In that moment, I discovered I've been doing a lot for a long time and realized, man, I wasn't doing it like Jesus. I may have been doing it in his name, but I wasn't doing it like him. Because the scripture says, when I was still yet a sinner, he died for me. When the Holy Spirit looks at me and goes, you say to me every day, is that it? Every single time you complain or worry or, or talk about what you still don't have, it, you, every single time you don't even acknowledge all the blessings in your life and you're only telling me what you still need. While you're waiting on being uh, taken care of, you could be serving, but you still don't. I cover you every single day and the first time you feel like somebody's being ungrateful to you, you're out. Can you imagine if the Holy Spirit, if, if God worked with us the same way? 
Now, I bring this up for all of us because if we're going to compel others, we got to remove and actually believe what he just said. Do you actually believe you're going to get repaid at resurrection day? Do you actually believe that the return you're going to get is an eternal one, not here temporarily on earth? If you get an appreciation or recognition, man, that's icing on the cake. But that's not the driver. This is... Like when I, I mean, when I was reading this, I was like, man, Lord, thank you. As the reminder, because there's a whole lot that can get done as long as we don't spend time worrying about where our repayment is going to come from. We're actually set free with no concern. I'm not only set free externally, let's be honest, y'all. Think about how significant this work will work in our own homes. I know the fear. The fear is, I've already taken, granted, taken for granted enough. <laughs> Trying to ask me to double down. <laughs> but seriously, Jesus just made it perfectly clear. Whoever you serve, invite. He used this as the analogy, but it's a bigger principle. This is how we get to live our lives. Now, here's what I want you to understand. The reason we sometimes run into trouble the reason we struggle with compelling others is because sometimes we try to compel others by us. There, I'm, there's nothing on my own that's compelling. It's not. On this table right here, we got some nails. Just some regular old nails. Sitting right here. Regular nail, the small ones, big ones, rusted ones, it's just a nail. That's all it is. Now, what's interesting is this nail sitting right here, and what I pick up right here is this magnet. It's a powerful magnet, really strong. So, not only, just even in the proximity, look at that. Nail gets picked up by the magnet. Now, what's interesting is, I grab a few more nails. They happen to be around, and they all get picked up as well. All they're doing is being in the proximity. They're just around the magnet. They're not the magnet, but something happens when they get connected to the magnet. Because when they're connected to the magnet, the properties of the nails begin to look like the same properties that are in the magnet. Actually, if we actually grab the microscope, and for those science geniuses in here, you know, if you actually looked through a microscope, you can see the atoms that are in the nail, the electromagnetic atoms that are in the nail, are the same ones that are in the magnet. Somehow or another, the powerful electro, uh, uh, atoms that are in the magnet are actually in these little, good-for-nothing, flimsy, can't-do-nothing-on-their-own nails. The problem is, as long as the nail's by itself, all those electromagnetic atoms are disorganized. They're confused. They're all over the place. Their mind is, if, if they were human, basically they'd be like a lot of us. But there's something about this magnet. There's something about this magnet. See, the difference with the magnet is all these atoms are in perfect alignment. And as long as a nail just gets close all those atoms get shifted around that it begins to look just like the magnet. 
So now it's not about the nails trying to attract other nails. It's just as long as these nails are connected to magnet, guess what they become? Little magnets too. So all of a sudden now, all these other magnets hanging out, up to no good, doing stuff on their own. <laughs> as long as these magnets keep abiding with the bigger magnet, as long as they stay connected with the bigger magnet, as long as they do that, I think it says in John 14, you will do greater things than I. I think it says in John 15, if you abide in me and I abide in you, when we actually stay connected like we should, all of a sudden, it ain't no big deal to get all of the nails. But the minute these nails ever think they can do anything on their own, it's over. We have so many, unfortunate, and I'm talking about myself. So many of us believers, Christians, feel like we got no power, feel like we got no impact, seem like we can't make a difference anywhere. Even in our prayer life, it's just about surviving, not realizing that when God, literally when we were created, he said, I made you in the likeness and the image of me, everything I put in you. But if you don't abide in me, you can do nothing separated from me. And sometimes, no matter how long we've been saved, we get amnesia to that. We think we're going to win people over, compel, compel people over, just by screaming louder. Just by telling them what they're doing wrong all the time. How's that been working? More importantly, did that even work on you? No. So one of the things we got to understand, church, is what we can do collectively when you're in a let me, I'm going to, do, to make it small, large and small. Personally, when I abide properly, his love then flows through me. And perfect love casts away fear. His love can flow through me. Conversations I would have never had if I wasn't trusting him. Situations we could never confront if we weren't trusting him. Walking into things that, that looked like, you know, it was so crooked, but the Bible says he will make crooked paths straight. And it's what he's doing through you. Not because of your strength, because you keep abiding in him. You keep, all of a sudden, the way you live your life, the way even, do, even the way you go through your problems, there are people watching right now. And because of how you go through it, they go, man, I need to know, what is it about you? What is it that you do? What, God never sat there and screamed to everybody, look at me. But that Bible was open. But when people had real problems, they hung out with them buddies on Friday night. But when they had problems, they found Don on Saturday morning. It's amazing how that works. But reason I'm emphasizing this to us, we got 630,000 on a big scale, 633,320 people in the Pierce County area. We know many of them who aren't connected to a church and connected to the Lord and connected to anything. And you really believe we're going to reach them by just screaming louder? We're going to really reach them just by telling them how about, we're really going to reach them when the people we're actually connected to probably have more to do with their, uh, our alignment to them politically than anything that do with the Bible. No, we're going to reach them like this. It's your story. It's your testimony. Your real testimony. I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about your authentic life. People are moved by that. 
They want to know your story. The, the Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the power of our testimony. It's your story. It's God made just for you, but you're a magnet. You look just like him. He's going to draw them through you. He's not using others as us. So what do we have to ensure to make sure we don't lose our magnetism? We got to magnify him, but we, our magnetism has got to be, over, be there in order to multiply. So here's the last thing I want you to see. This is scripture. If you turn to Luke 14, verses 15 through 24. I'm going to read this real quick. But before I do it, put up that point for me. We have to prioritize his invitation, not our excuses. We got to prioritize his invitation, not our excuses. Whatever we focus on, whatever we emphasize, whatever we spend time looking at grows. It's just how it works. It becomes more and more important the more you see it. You will value the fact that you've been invited to the banquet, knowing good and well you are also lame, you are also maimed, you are also blind, you are also poor. So all of a sudden, you start looking at the same people in a way you didn't look at them before. You know what my problem is? Why I snatched that bag away from him? Because on the inside of me, I was better than him. On the inside, he better be grateful for what I'm doing for him. There was something on the inside of me who got amnesia, forgot I was the same situation, not in the same circumstance, but just as broken a different way. And look right here. The Bible said, verse 15, it says, when one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is the one who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And I love when he said kingdom of God, because when Jesus heard the kingdom, he made it clear. Kingdom works differently. Then he told him, a man was giving a large banquet and invited many. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who were invited, come because everything is now ready. But without exception, they all began to make excuses. Say excuses. But without exception, they all began to make excuses. Please say excuses. Now, here's what I want you to know. Be careful trying to make an excuse a good reason. We've confused excuses and reasons to mean the same thing. They had nothing to do with each other. And we have made excuses not to prioritize the gospel. We've made excuses not to prioritize the kingdom. We've made excuses. Look, I know I've actually had a brother in the Lord who I loved to death sat down in front of me and was this clear. He says, my brother, I don't know anything you got going on, but I do know this much. The Lord has made it clear. He's answered a lot of your prayers. He's done a lot of the things you prayed for. He remembers every time you cried before him and you said, and he also remembers every single promise you said. But he also recognizes you've made a lot of excuses why you don't have time to minister, why you don't have time to be with him, why you don't have time. And in that moment, if you think I was, if, Ingratitude is a cure for loss. I'm telling you, or or loss is a cure for ingratitude. In that moment, I don't know if I've ever been so scared. Because I realize when sitting there, I can't believe how many things God has done. I'm so locked on to steal what I need that I didn't realize he's done so many things for me. And when he invites me to the banquet, he didn't invite me to work. He invited me to just dwell with them. Spend time with them. Meet with them. God Almighty. God's like, you were way more into my things than you are to me. Jesus was the first one who said in Matthew 6, 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all things will be added. But instead of being added, I'm throwing excuses in the mix. Look what he says right here. The first one said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. I ask you to excuse me. Wow. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. I ask you to excuse me. Wow. And another said, I just got married (laughs) and therefore I'm unable to come. That might be a reason. (laughs) But verse 21 says, so the servant came back and reported these things to his master. Then in anger, the master of the house told the servant, go out quickly in the streets. Go out quickly now into the streets and alleys of the city. Bring in here the poor, the maimed, the blind, the lame. Master, the servant said, what you ordered has been done and there's still room. We ain't going to ever run out of space. We ain't going to ever run out of room. This, we, we, we have everything we need. The Bible says the harvest is plenty, but it's the laborers who are few. And we're the laborers. I can't tell you how many times I sit back and think like, man, you know, I wonder who's going to show up. You're who. Can't be me. I think God to turn that over to somebody a little more responsible. No, it's me. It's you. It's our stories. God, he even used our irresponsibility to draw others who've been also irresponsible and realize there's hope. It's amazing how God does this. But look right, he says, he says, master, there's still room. Last verse. Then the master, last two. Then the master told the servant, go out into the highways, hedges and make them come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, not one of those people who were invited will enjoy my banquet. We've been invited to a banquet. We've been invited to a banquet. And we did nothing to deserve it. We didn't earn it. It, There's no big eyes or little use. Everybody's there. And the reason we're all the same is because we're only in there. Because of the magnet. We're all just rusted nails. That's all we are. But we are, the more we embrace and prioritize the invitation, the invitation grows. That means there's so many more people who get to be connected to it. So my challenge to you today, my challenge, my challenge is not to chase people. My challenge to you today, it's not even chasing the things you've been praying for. My challenge to you today is seek him. Get even closer. Stay connected to the magnet. And watch how powerful the magnetism starts to flow from you. You will draw and attract. You will have to chase. Don't chase your child. Love your child. Pray for your child. Don't chase them. Gotta compel them. Don't chase that sibling. Gotta compel them. Don't even chase that job. Gotta compel them. I didn't say don't prepare. I just said don't chase. Abide. To the same degree you want something, keep abiding in him. And watch what he does. Go ahead and bow with me if you would. Pastor Tyler, if you don't come, mind coming up. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this word. We thank you for where it's landing. Lord, each one of us, you have a special calling on our lives. There's individuals that only each of us individually can compel. 
So let, Lord, let us live in such a way, way, just like Jesus, that they want to know what is it about us? What is it? And it's so significant that they want it as well. And that gives us the opportunity to also welcome them to the banquet. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.